Hello, welcome and kumusta. My name is Hao and I am your occupational therapist and welcome to my podcast entitled OT Conversations. This is a podcast about occupational therapy and any other topics relating to the field, be it medical foundations or philosophical foundations, some of my personal and professional opinions and point of view. I am hoping that through this podcast, I'll be able to help out occupational therapy students and clinicians to navigate their way through their clinical practice involving occupational therapy. In this episode, we are going to talk about Parkinson's disease. So what is Parkinson's disease? This is a degenerative brain disorder involving the extrapyramidal system that leads to involuntary movements. And when you look at some of the involuntary movements, this is typically a hypokinetic movement disorder. Meaning, hypo is less than usual kinetic movement. So the person who has Parkinson's disease will have problems with movement. Particularly, it will be described as Uh, bradykinesia or slow movement or hypokinetic movement. Parkinson's disease is happening usually around, uh, you know, when a person reaches around 60th from the 6th to the 8th decade of life. This is where it's typically uh, taking place. And uh, the prevalence is equal between male and female. So it doesn't choose now what's happening in Parkinson's disease is that there is a cellular loss in the basal ganglia and the cerebral cortex and because of these cellular loss there is a decreased dopamine in the substantia nigra and the neostriatum and these are again basal ganglia problem Now, if you look at the clinical manifestations, uh, one of the most disabling manifestations of Parkinson's disease is the rigidity. So a person be very, very stiff. Uh, at the worst case scenario, they cannot move. So rigidity is one of them. The uh, least disabling uh, con- um, symptom would be the uh, resting tremor. Person would also have bradykinesia or akinesia. So if you break down those words, bradykinesia, brady, or brady, brady, brady would be a Latin for slow. Kinesia is movement. So technically the person would be moving, but they'd be less than usual. And over a period of time, when it becomes very, very worse, it becomes akinesia. A is without, kinesia is movement. So akinesia, no movement. People with Parkinson's disease would also have uh, problems with uh, their their face being having a mask-like face. So they're having some little facial expressions. And their speech becomes monotonous and slow. And if you can ask them, so one of the things that you can do is you can ask them to write something and then you will notice that their their handwriting becomes smaller and smaller and smaller. And this is called uh, micrographia. Now, another of the symptoms is that there will be some problem in terms of their 
gait pattern uh, where they would assume a stooped posture with loss of arm swing when they are walking. And the gait pattern uh, would typically be described as festinating gait. In English, it's going to be called as a shuffling gait. Yeah, but I think it's uh, on some of the medical terms, it'll be called a festinating gait. And person sometimes will have dementia as well. Not all the time, but because it is a condition of uh, uh, the elderly, so sometimes you have dementia and sometimes you have Parkinson's and they go hand in hand. But one does not necessarily mean that if you have Parkinson's, you'll have dementia, or if you have dementia, you'll have Parkinson's disease. Okay, but these are some of the clinical manifestations. Now, let's talk about the different types of Parkinsonian syndrome. So it's Parkinsonian. It's a bit ish, you know, it's a bit Parkinson's, Parkinsonian. So you have the uh, idiopathic Parkinson syndrome, uh, which happens in a spontaneous uh, way. It just, it just happens. Idiopathic, you just don't know what causes it. So this is the one that is considered as a Parkinson's disease. It just happens spontaneously without any particular known cause. You have a shy dragger syndrome. Um, just be familiar with the terminology. Just look it up. And then you can also have a Parkinsonian syndrome, which is secondary to a symptomatic Parkinson syndrome, which is due to dopamine depleting or dopamine blocking drugs. So if you have some medication and you have these mod, uh, if you look at some of the side effects, uh, uh, and if these medication is uh, dopamine blocking or dopamine depleting, it has a dopamine depleting side effect, then you can have a secondary symptomatic Parkinson Parkinson symptom or syndrome rather. Sorry, and then the another one would have been the uh, um, post encephalitic encephalitic or post infection uh, Parkinson's. Uh, syndrome. So when you have a condition, encephalitis, technically, so post-encephalitis or post-infection. So post is after, encephalitis, N is inside, cephalo is inside the head, which would have been the brain, itis would be inflammation. So if you've got some kind of a brain uh some kind of a brain inflammation through infection, then you can potentially have this. And another one is a called a Parkinson's syndrome secondary to exposure to some of the toxic metals. Or you can have stroke or neoplasm or stroke, for example, or some metabolic abnormalities. Now, in terms of the prognosis, it's... Uh, if, if it's mainly the disease of tremor, then, then it is favorable. It's, it's not too bad. As I mentioned earlier on, uh, those people who's had the tremor, that's the least debilitating of them all. Uh, if it is particularly just a resting tremor. So remember, with Parkinson's disease, you will have a resting tremor. Okay, so that's least of the problem. Uh, but if the problem is mainly akinesia, 
And if it is a rapidly developing or deteriorating condition, then you will have a more, you'll have more problems. So the prognosis becomes, uh, you know, less favorable, meaning a person is likely to be dependent and uh, there will be some, some functional implications, obviously, with their ability to engage on day-to-day tasks. Now, that's quite straightforward, isn't it? So, spoken about Parkinson's disease, what is it? What are the symptoms? Now, let's go to the treatment, okay? And you have varying treatments. So, obviously, you can have pharmacological intervention. You can have physical therapy or physiotherapy. You have occupational therapy. Uh, You will be... uh, you can have uh, encounters or you can have treatment coming from speech therapy and then you can have some uh, bio, uh, medical management as well. So in terms of treatment, you know, the number one, you know, when they go and see a doctor, they'll go and ask for tablets and so it's called pharmacologic therapy. And the goal of the pharmacological therapy is to provide a restoration or to restore a, uh, so they want a restoration of dopamine towards um, a, at least get it back in the near normal as possible. So that would have been the objective. And this can be done through provision of anticholinergic medication or antihistaminic, you know, which would improve the tremor and rigidity. Okay. Now, in terms of dopamine replacement therapy, so... Uh, you can have um, dopamine would be, uh, uh, if you have dopamine, then it's for bradykinesia and rigidity. Like, you know, you can be given dopamine and levodopa plus cinnamon as well, or you can have dopamine agonist. I mean, there are new medications nowadays. The technique is that in, in the United Kingdom, there is this BNF or British National Formular, Formulary, if, I'm, uh, if I get my terminologies correctly. So this is a medication that gets updated every year or every certain number of years, but I'm sure it gets updated regularly. And uh, it's lying about, you'll find that somewhere in the ward and people will be looking at it you know, so you can just look at the indications, contraindications. So just look for for some of those things. Okay, these are like secret weapons that is lying about. And all you need to do is to just find it in the wards and you'll find these uh, this, this text in this book. So you, you, you can't be Googling things. You will need to rely on, on, on books and some publications, yeah? All right, so that's pharmacological therapy. I wish I could make it even more exciting, but you'll be given tablets. Now, as therapist, you know, it should resolve the slowness of movement. That was the main objective of it. Now, for physiotherapy in general or physical therapy, the objective is to restore the normal body alignment. That should be a number one priority for physiotherapists. Uh, because when you have Parkinson's disease, then a person would be slouched. You know, you'll have less movement, so that's one. 
um, you can, physiotherapists should be aiming to regain the balance of the patient. And you can do this through uh, weight transfer activities with the, the correct uh, head and trunk movements. So gross motor skills retraining. So when a person is moving, so you get them to regain those balance. And balance does not just happen. It relies on writing reactions, equilibrium reactions, head writing. And to do the head writing, you really need to move the head. Uh, and you have to put that, move that against or uh, away uh, from the base of support so that the body writes itself. So that's one. So regaining balance. Uh, physiotherapists can improve the ability to initiate movements and increase the excursion of all movements. So it's not just moving, but movement with uh, with style and movement with proper proper dynamics and proper proper swing of things. You know, so that would be something. So proper excursion of movements, and this is where where Tai Chi could come in. You know, those exercises actually. You know, Tai Chi, if, if a physiotherapist utilizes Tai Chi, then then there might be some who would be complaining, you know, because Tai Chi is a, you know, it's not a protected thing, um, but people are using it, you know. Um, so some of those uh, activities would be range of motion exercises. So people can be giving uh, back flexion and extension exercises. So that needs to be given. Uh, people needed to be given some strengthening exercises as well. So for coordination, you uh, people can be given a frankel exercise, uh, where there's a where the, the focus would be on proper foot placement whenever people are moving. Um, you can have facial activities or facial exercises, and this is to maintain the flexibility of facial muscles. Uh, particularly muscles, uh, facial muscles for expression. And then the other thing that people need to do, and physiotherapists, is they need to work on the thoracic breathing exercises. And this is to maintain the thoracic mobility as well. So physical therapy, physiotherapy directly involved with some exercises. Now, when it comes to tremors, physical therapists can practice on relaxation, Weight bearing on the affected extremity is also recommended. So these are some of the techniques on how you would manage tremors. Yeah, uh, There are some activities. Get some weights. And tremors is really stopped when there is some form of a weighted activity. So particularly weight bearing on the upper limb and uh, if you have some, some weights. Now, you, physical therapists would emphasize on proper posture, particularly some postural exercises. Uh, they'd be given uh, some uh, extension exercises and some balance and equilibrium exercises. Now, with regard to mobility, you know, the people, there would be problems in terms of transfers. So some therapists are using some markings on the floor. Uh, or w just walking on the floor and they put some marks into that. And people are using uh, some rhythm, you know, when they are uh, moving. So moving along to a beat, moving along to a familiar music, 
moving along to music that they like to do. So it really gets a person going. So if it is a classic Parkinson's condition, just try this, have the music on and you'll see. And it's, it's, it's amazing. And I think if you go and look it up on, in uh, YouTube, there will be lots of um, videos in there that uh, shows the uh, effect of music. Now, in occupational therapy, there are a few things that we can be doing. Now, what I'm saying here is now based on an, an, on, on, on American uh, occupational therapy services. Yeah, so uh, not particularly in, in, in the United Kingdom because some of the techniques or uh, some of the concerns for occupational therapy would be swallowing. Um, where, you know, you'd be guiding the person to eat small portions, you know but uh, more frequently. So you have to time the medications in terms of the meal time as well. So from an occupational therapist perspective, it's like, you know, when are you going to have the medication? And then you time the, uh, you know, when are they going to have their uh, uh, their, their, their meals? You, you time it when when the medication has kicked in. Now, with Parkinson's disease, from what I remember, some of the medications are very, very sensitive to, to the time. You know, so you have to be mindful of the medication routine. If you're having this Parkinson's rehabilitation, so that's something that we need to explore as occupational therapists. Now, some of the techniques that is out there, that's available out there, but a lot of people will be contesting these things nowadays because everybody would be asking, is there effectiveness to that? Is it efficient? Is it something that needs to be done or that can be done? So some of the swallowing stimulation techniques, for example, you know, you have uh, stroking, the tilting of the head forward, um... Uh, food texture, uh, taste, and the temperature. So you, you wanted to try these things. Again, in the United States, dysphagia is an area where occupational therapists are, are uh, you know, occupational therapists are specializing on, but not much of a concern in the United Kingdom. Now, when there is an increased muscle tone, some of the techniques that OTs can do is you can teach them to relax so that person will, you know, if you need to facilitate the muscle tone, okay, and you have to uh, use some of the neurodevelopmental techniques. So these are restorative interventions. So when there is a tone issue, so if it's hypo and the tone is low, you facilitate it. If it's hyper, then there are some techniques that you can use to actually minimize or normalize the tone. So that's uh, that. So you uh, OTs will generally be providing assistive devices. If you're working in the community, you can explore on getting some some things for eating, for example, like plates where there's large rims, or you can issue some plate guards or weighted utensils or dough spoon or, or or fork that has swivel 
in it as well. So swivel spoons, for example, these are some of the adaptive devices. Now, some of the aids, environmental aids, that can be used to facilitate independence uh, for dressing, for example, so you can change, you can, you can think about uh, changing the garments, uh, you know, you can change the, the Velcro and zippers, you can get some, change the handles of the kitchen, for example, you know, or e eating utensils, you know, and you have to enlarge those handles in terms of appliances. Again, it would be easier if they have handles that are, are, are wider because it facilitates ease in terms of grabbing. Because people are at risk of falls, then you need to have some rails. You can actually make the chair at the appropriate height. So it shouldn't be too low. Because if it's low, it's difficult to stand up from it. And uh, you may want to raise the toilet to make it easy for them. You may want to, you know, put in some rails again for safety now if you're a private therapist then you can explore having environmental control because that is uh, something that is available out there an occupational therapist can provide and explore doing that so environmental control aids as well and obviously if mobility is difficult then you can explore having power chair. But you may have to be very, very careful because one of the problems when you're issuing power chairs for people with Parkinson's disease is they have difficulty stopping. So perhaps mobility is an issue. So you may have power chair, which is more attendant controlled. Okay, so there is an option where a person can actually push and pull and control it themselves, the wheelchair. But make sure that the attendant, there is an option to turn it off so that the person can mobilize with, with assistance or with, with supervision or standby assist with power chair. Because I have worked with people with Parkinson's in the past and one of the things that I have noticed it, and it's very hard to 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 change it. Is the, the one thing that I've noticed is that they have a hard time stopping. Now, for speech therapy, people can have uh, you know dysarthria. So, for those that has hypokinetic dysarthria, so people can be taught how to do some diaphragmatic uh, breathing, for example, so they can improve on work on improving the posture and flexibility, and that's to improve the vital capacity um, and for those with swallowing problems. So NG, that's an option for speech therapy. Now, general medical management would be you have to maintain the general cardiovascular fitness of the patient, so people can be given aerobic conditioning and that is to improve their general mobility, their pulmonary and, and, and cardiac functional capacity, and their sense of well-being. So little exercises. You can do exercises when people are sitting down. Now, people may have a form of depression. 
uh, dementia may be present. So psychological counseling, psychology would be an essential support. Now, people might also have some bladder dysfunction. So they then they need to have um, incontinence nurses. They need to be involved. Usually, you know, some medications will have an effect on their uh, on their bladder uh, as well. So you can have uh, um, so anticholinergics uh, can be given for hyperreflexive uh, bladder straining, and then the Creed's maneuver for a reflexic bladder. Uh, so how's that Creed's maneuver? I think you need to just you know you may have to press the the the, the bladder. Um, I mean, there will be some problems, then you have to treat the UTI. Uh, so you have to also have to schedule the, the drinking and avoiding as well. So these are more specifics, really. If you want to be specializing on it, then these are the things that you need to be mindful about. Okay, the, the things that needed to be seen or looked at. So for those people who has a bowel dysfunction... So you have to give them some high-fiber diet and uh, adequate fluids. You need to give them laxatives and or stool softener as well. So this needs to be uh, addressed. Uh, sexual dysfunction is something that will may affect a person. But then the question is, who really, who goes to a therapist for some sexual dysfunction, isn't it? People very seldom talk about this and around that age when people are not very healthy or they are around age from 60 to 80 and they're feeling a lot more ailment so their people are not as you know the vitality is not as as strong so sexuality is still there you know you still hold your your people's identity and gender gender identity but uh, um, the the chances are the sexual expression is quite is not at the top of the priority now some uh, other uh, medical complications you know if you're on some some tablets for example so you can have um, uh, you can have the uh, dry eyes so you may have to you know have you may have to have some 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 artificial tears and uh, yeah there you go now that is parkinson's disease okay so from an ot perspective in terms of assessment how do we do this so yes there is parkinson's so you come across with somebody with Parkinson's is yes, understandable. Cool, that's fine. Then the question is, so what? You know, that's the next question. Yes, you may have a Parkinson's, but it will always uh, uh, point to the things that the person cannot do. So it will always be better if you start with knowing the person, who the person is. Start asking about the collateral history, the social history. So as occupational therapist, you need to be involved with, we need to be good at knowing who the person is, who their support is, who do they live with, what's the home environment like, who's doing the shopping, 
Who's doing the cooking? Are they showering? Is it shower over the bath? Were they independent prior to coming into the hospital? Or um, were they getting help? Or is it getting more difficult? So it's all about ADL uh, retraining and uh, their ability to do their day-to-day things. Now, because this is a condition that is um, deteriorating over a period of time, you know, sometimes the intervention can be a preventative, meaning if there's no problems yet in terms of their balance, you might as well start teaching them how to do or to take charge of their uh, exercises. So have a routine exercises that involves like leaning forward, maintaining those balance, big, big movements. That's, those are the things that you needed to do. So again, when you're doing this, like again, Tai Chi, seated Tai Chi, you know, all of these movements, yoga, chair yoga, bed yoga, okay? So if you think about these things, the main objective is not to restore because nothing's really lost. But what you want to do is to maintain uh, the person's abilities and you wanted to prevent any deterioration or to slow down any deterioration of the, the functional implication of having bradykinesia. Okay, so get them to start listening to, to music as regularly as possible, you know, start start doing some safe dancing moves, you know, get them to do that, enjoy. Um, yeah, it's all about their abilities. So preventative is one of the intervention and then you may have to rely on adaptive aids. But my recommendation for you guys is do not rely on adaptive aids at the first instance. You know, give them choices, give your patients some choices and allow them to be in charge of what they needed to do. Okay, because say you work with a patient, all of a sudden you'll just issue a commode. So unless they really feel that it is essential, you don't have to do it, okay? So I, I, you guys needed to, to, to exercise uh, caution or sometimes, you know, when you, in the United Kingdom, you see a patient, you just give them equipment straight away, just dish out equipment, but empower people, you know, educate people, find out what is important to them and, uh, allow them to make decisions as to when and where when they would want to have it and if in the end then there's no other way around it and they come into you and it's really very quick the deterioration has gone quick especially if they missed some tablets and medication so they they're coming in mobilizing but because it, it alters their their medication routine has been altered then they will, uh, uh, you can see a, a, the effect of the problem. Right? So I, I hope you learned a little something to debate today. And we just uh, spoken about Parkinson's disease. If you have any questions, just uh, let me know. Um, 
or uh, you know drop me an email uh, if you learned something today just talk to your friends about it pass the word share talk about it it's only when sharing will these information stay uh, with you and this is really quite one of the very basic foundation knowledge skills knowing about parkinson's disease the functional implications of it and uh, the things that uh, will affect occupational therapy and your practice as well until next time if you enjoyed this podcast talk to your friends and colleagues about it like it subscribe share and do what you can to appease whatever algorithm that is at play I am but your humble clinician, albeit with years of experience, I have very little understanding of this digital world. So if you have any questions or if you have topics that you want me to talk about, drop me an email. It's riot.conversations at gmail.com. Just remember, guys, anything you do matters and has an outcome. Until next time, bye.